what is the high, highest primary calling for a 94-year-old making much of Jesus Christ? What is the highest primary calling for a four-year-old making much of Jesus Christ? There is like serving as a lead pastor at Storyline Church isn't my highest calling. It's a job, and I'm thankful for the job that I have. My highest calling is to be a son of God. My highest calling is to make much of him in any other environment that he gives me. That includes marriage, that includes being a dad, and that also includes being a pastor. And so let's not make our vocations our highest calling. Let's make our adoption into the family of God our highest calling. Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And I'm Missy Branch. We want to introduce you to women who, through their own unique vocations, are seeing what they do make an eternal difference. And we pray these conversations will inspire you in your own calling to honor God, image Him to the world through your work, and leverage your potential for His glory. And if these conversations are impacting your life and work in God-honoring ways, please consider becoming a Women in Work partner at womenwork.net slash donate. We'd also be honored for you to purchase our new book, Women in Work, Bearing God's Image and Joining in His Mission Through Our Work. You can find that link on our website or in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining us today. Are you a pastor or ministry leader pressed for time, stressed with the busyness of ministry, but feeling like you aren't actually able to focus on your most important ministry responsibilities because of the never-ending administrative task in front of you? Are you administratively experienced and looking for a part-time flexible job? Ministry Desk is an administrative assistant agency that provides dedicated remote, administrative, and executive assistance to pastors, ministry leaders, and nonprofit organizations. On average, clients contract at 15 hours a week to get back time to focus on sermon writing, strategy, shepherding, and family. Common tasks our assistants handle are scheduling, calendar management, email management, expense reports, event planning, member follow-up, newsletters, and general organization. If you are interested in contracting an assistant, or learning more about being an assistant with Ministry Desk, contact us on our website, ministrydesk.co, to learn more. That's www.ministrydesk.co. Welcome to the show, listeners. We are so glad you are here today. So happy you have tuned in. If you have been following along for this entire spring semester, you know that we have been talking about our new book, Women in Work, Bearing God's Image and Joining in His Mission Through Our Work. And so we started the season with our editor, Mary Wiley. We've interviewed every author, every contributing author to the book. And we thought today would be a really special time to interview a pastor. Um, so we have invited today um, Pastor J.T. English. And so let me just tell you a little bit about who J.T. is. J.T. English became the lead pastor of Storyline Church in Arvada, Colorado in April of 2020. He is the author of Deep Discipleship how the local church can make whole disciples. And You Are a Theologian, An Invitation to Know and Love God Well, which he co-authored with Jen Wilkin. He is also a co-founder of Training the Church and a co-host of the Knowing Faith podcast. He received a CHM in Historical Theology from Dallas Theological Seminary and a PhD in Systematic Theology from Southern Seminary. He is married to Macy English and they have two children. So JT, thank you so much for coming on today. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. I've been looking forward to this for like weeks. When you guys reached out and I knew this might be an opportunity for me, I was like, I'm absolutely doing that. So thanks so much for having me. This is this is fun. I'm a huge fan of you guys and the work that you guys are doing. So just thanks for having this me. Is I'm great. This to is great. So JT, I don't know if you remember. So you and I met at Southern Seminary. They had a campaign, Trusted for Truth, a whole um, thing. So that's where yeah. you and I met. I was one of the few women that were a part of that. And your photo shoot was directly in front of mine. And I knew I was going to like you from the beginning because you work with Jen Wilkin. So I was like, this, this guy, he's got to be great. If he, if he loves Jen, I love him already. <laughs> Jen, Jen is like a passport <laughs> everywhere I go. I'm like, if, I, if, if Jen's on my team, I, I end up being liked by people. So it's great. I remember that. I remember that meeting. We were there uh, in a little photo booth and we had a quick conversation. I don't think we'd ever had the opportunity to even interact online. I don't online think so, before. yeah. We just had like met. And then Missy, right have there. you guys yeah, met before? We have, we have not met, but um, my family and I did go to DTS. My husband got his THM from DTS and I met your wife and then mm-hmm. we got to uh, chat a little bit afterwards about our worlds colliding a little bit because I think you have listened to my husband's music in the past. <laughs> yes. So before I went to DTF, I took a kind of a gap year between college and seminary, and I would listen yes. to your husband's uh, album for like <laughs> hours. Like, and when I say hours, I mean like it was yes. on repeat for me. That would have been 2006, mm-hmm. 2007 or so. And I'm just so thankful for you guys and for your ministry too. I remember, I think it was Dr. Scott Harrell who told me then when uh-huh. I got like to campus, he was like, one of the songs that he wrote was like, he ended up doing it for like yes. a thesis for my class. And so, man, just one of those opportunities for like, when we get to, we've all had the opportunity yes. to minister to each other in like these really small ways, but profound ways that like. It is very cool. cool. It is very cool. And it's sweet because I have listened to you in a podcast over and over again. And so when I finally, but no, Uh-oh. in the best possible way, but it's been <laughs> meeting Macy. I was like, I'm actually kind of fangirling because I've like listened to her husband and now she's, and so it's just fun how you realize that just really, like you said, blessing each other in so many different ways. It's a really sweet when you finally get to meet, you're like, I've been being blessed. (laughs) Well, and we just thought it would just be really special to have a pastor on. We have really, Missy, have we only, is JT only our second male guest on the show? So we interviewed, Eric Shoemaker came on with Elise Fitzpatrick and we chatted with the two of them. Um, I got to tell you, as you're saying that, I want you to know that I'm a huge fan of what you guys are doing. We're going to get into some of my story. I know in a few minutes and some of the questions you have and I'm just a huge fan of how you guys are helping women uh, pursue the Lord in a number mm. of different capacities and in ways. So this is just a, this is a, there's lots of podcasts that I get to do. They're, they're great. Like I'm, I'm fun. It, it's glad to talk about discipleship in the church. And I love talking about that stuff, but to talk about women in work is really so a great opportunity. Well, that's why that. we love you, JT. <laughs> All right. So we decided to just go ahead and roll with our, uh, kind of our typical ask of every single guest. Even though you're a man, we were like, we'll just learn about JT a little bit. Yep. Okay. So we're going to do our rapid fire questions with you, JT. Are you ready? Okay. As a kid, what did you want to do or what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a professional Ooh. baseball player. I wanted to I wanted to play for the Rockies. That'll get to my story here in a few minutes. But and I, and the thing is, like, how silly is that? I'm a terrible baseball player. But you're that's a kid. what I wanted that's to do. That's what kids like. That's the beautiful thing about being a kid. Yes, Yay. I was dreaming. I had a dream of being shortstop for the Rockies. That's, that's what I wanted to do. So, what was your actual first job? I worked at Baskin Robbins, and I'm not even <laughs> sure it was legal. But my parents had a. I know these are quick fire, quick story. Uh, my 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 parents had a friend who owned a Baskin Robbins store. 
and they like i was like 14 they yes. paid me under the table it was like i'm pretty sure it was like my step i was like you got to get a job you gotta start <laughs> working awesome. so i started working and i i got addicted to they called it the pink bubble gum <laughs> uh flavor. people ask like did you have all 31 flavors i was like no i had one flavor <laughs> oh, funny okay do you remember <laughs> missy some another guest of ours um worked i believe trillia newbill what her first job, I believe, also was at a Baskin Robbins. So you two, now you have that yes. in common. <laughs> you got to grind in that job. They make you work. Well, what kind of work do you want to be doing when you're 80 years old? Man, I if the Lord if the Lord be so kind, I want to be yes. on a golf course somewhere, <laughs> just hitting, hitting golf balls. I want my grandkids to be around. Yes. I want my family to be around. I'd be enjoying yes. sunsets somewhere. That'd be amazing. I'd love to continue. Yes. I want my family to be my primary mm-hmm. primary vocation when I'm 80. But I'd love to be an encourager to people that are in the grind yes. of ministry and life and families. And so, if the Lord would give me an opportunity to continue to encourage be, people, yeah, I'd you could encourage too. them right there on the golf course. So yes. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's no better place to encourage when you're discouraged on the golf course. I can encourage other go. people. It's like a new ministry. Okay, so um, you live in Colorado right now. Um, where did you grow up? Uh, tell us just a little bit, like most of your adult life. Where have you lived? And um, tell us about how you came to Christ. Yeah. So all of that for me is kind of like this interwoven, really strange story. So I grew up just south of okay. where I currently live, about 15, 20 minutes south of here. Uh, in Littleton, Colorado, um, made famous and infamous in, a, in kind of a negative way by yes. the Columbine massacre. I went to the high school that was that all those wow. kids came to after the shooting. Macy, my wife, actually went to Columbine also. We oh, missed no. it by a year, but that was kind of our, our childhood upbringing. We were here in, in some really kind of devastating moments. Uh, I did not know the Lord, but I had a great upbringing family who loved me and cared for me. I didn't grow up knowing Jesus, but I grew up knowing mm-hmm. a family that cared for me and loved me and was just a, a wonderful home. I grew up in my parents. Got divorced at a young age, which was tough, but they really did the best that they could to uh, care for me. And we'll, we'll get into this and why I care so much about the topics we're talking about today is my mom started as an intern at a radio station, and then she was an intern at another radio station, and then she became an intern for the Colorado Rockies baseball team. And then she ended up being a vice president as a uh, a, a single mom wow. caring for a young kid, and we'll get into all that in a minute. But that—that's one of the reasons that I care so deeply about about uh, ministries like this and conversations like this. Uh, I just grew up playing basketball, uh, baseball. Uh, I met the Lord up at Colorado State University my freshman year. Somebody just sat down. I could go into a long story here, but it was a guy named Nate Miller, sophomore. He was—he—he uh, he bought me a Whopper. He pulled out the four spiritual laws, gave it to me and said, I'm supposed to read this with you. And in the most uncompelling gospel presentation <laughs> in the history of the world, not right. because it was a gospel track, but just right. because it was like, he, he didn't oh, get wow. contact with me. He was just like, <laughs> like I'm supposed to read, read this to me. you. <laughs> and the Lord, yeah, it's exactly what he said. And the Lord saved wow. me. Like it was one of those things where it may be just one of those pieces of encouragement for people who have a gift for evangelism and sharing the gospel. Like our gospel presentation, yes. Jesus does by his Holy spirit. And, uh, the Lord entered my life in that moment at Colorado State University uh, in 2004, which is which is crazy to think about. It's about, oh gosh, 19 years ago uh, right now. So uh, is that right? Yeah, 19 years ago. Uh, I then just like got a passion for ministry. Uh, I loved Campus Crusade, wasn't really engaged in the local church. I bounced around. I remember going to my pastor and saying, hey, I want." I, I was the post-Christian secular kid that came to Christ. I didn't know my Bible. I didn't have, I had no background, no basics in theology, no systematic theology, no, like, oh, when people talk about a water, <laughs> like, a one what? I don't know what that means. Like, felt bored jokes, none of it. Like, I, mm-hmm. I just didn't wow. understand uh, 
I didn't grow up in a lot of the context. A lot of if your listeners did, and hopefully my kids are. Like I just had nothing. So I went to my pastor and said, can I learn? He said, if you want to learn, you need to go to seminary. And I was like, but wait a second, what's the local church for? That's a side note. <laughs> I will come back to that in a second. But I was like, why do I have to leave the local church to lead in the local church? But I had to leave. And I went, I just, I went home and Googled, speaking of Dallas seminary, I just Googled whole Bible wow. seminary. Like nobody oh was goodness. guiding me through this process. Nobody was helping. I just was like, I just Googled it. And at the time they were like, we teach all 66 books of the Bible in our THM program. And I was like, wait a second, there's a seminary that doesn't do that. That's ridiculous. I'm going to Dallas. Uh, and so I was like, that's, that's where we ended up. And uh, had a great yeah. experience there. That's another part of our stories where Macy, my wife, so Macy and I got married in 2007 and she has just been, if there's anybody who knows and loves and walks with Jesus and has taught me more about Jesus. Mm -hmm. It is my wife, Macy. It's just, she is a hero for me. Uh, She was actually a part of a women's Bible study at Dallas seminary called uh, the sugar mamas. Maybe she mentioned that on your episode, (laughs) but it was, it was like, it was like five or six of our wives. We were all, you know, young married students and all of, all of the guys were going to school. All of our wives were like these high powered executives, you know, helping us get through school. And it was just, and it was, it was a a sweet season. Yeah, then I went to Southern and got a PhD there. And then the reason then I went to uh, Dallas, back to Dallas, I was uh, a pastor at the right. church for a few years and thought that I would do that. I had a, that's where I got to meet Jen, dream job for me, working with some of my best friends in the world and was hoping that I would be there for, you know, 20, 30 years that we wow. thought we could retire mm-hmm, there yeah. on that golf course, you know. Um, but there was a church uh, in my hometown that was looking for a pastor that was mm. centered around scripture that was centered around Jesus that was full of the Holy spirit mm. that needed a pastor. And so Macy and I just entered the process and said, Hey, maybe this is for us. Uh, we entered that process three years ago, just a few weeks ago. And it was three years ago. We're recording this in early March, three years ago this week that, uh, the Lord called yeah, me to the pastor at Storyline. So I got to come back home. The, so just to even make it even simpler, our church was planted in a high school basketball gym that wow. I played basketball in as a high school student, as That's a crazy. non-Christian. <laughs> Look at the Lord. Isn't that amazing? And so there's just a, yeah, it's the Lord. Gosh. Like it's one of those things where you're yes. like, man, this is, it's just a, it's not a dream in the sense of like, man, no, it's just perfect yes. ministry and everything's great. It's not that. It's 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 the ministry yes. that all of us experience. But man, I really feel called to these people. Like there are people in my church that know non-Christian mm, Jesus wow. that remember like high school punk who was not walking with the Lord, who they weren't either. And now we all That's are learning to follow Jesus that. together. That's it's a really sweet thing. JT, oh my gosh. I feel like just on what you've shared about your life just that far, there's a million questions, but one I want to, I want to hone in on. (laughs) I have those questions too, Missy. (laughs) But um, one, can you share about your mom and her work and how that has impacted your thoughts as it pertains to women and women's work? Yeah, absolutely. So my mom is, I mean, she's even to this day, one of my best friends. She, she uh, is a participant in the Storyline Institute. She leads a table for us. She is my hero. We call my mom Mimi around here because she is one of the best grandmas on the planet. She loves our kiddos. It's just, they live, they live just three or four miles from us and just really sweet. Uh, fam- the family that the Lord's given me, but it wasn't always that way. It wasn't always like despair and brokenness, but there was brokenness mm-hmm. in the home that I grew up in. My parents got divorced when I was a kid and 
that was, uh, I was in first grade. So yeah. I was about six and my dad was working really hard as an oil engineer and uh, my mom and he just didn't, weren't able to make it work. So they got divorced and separated. They did. I think one of the redemptive factors uh, that happened in that divorce is they did everything they could together to make my, my youthful mm-hmm. years as wonderful as possible. Like I would, my dad worked 28 days on and 28 days off uh, uh, overseas. So when I was with him, I was with him. And mm-hmm. when I was with her, I was with her. And I'm very thankful that despite the brokenness of the situation, my parents did the best that they could to, mm-hmm. to care for me and love me. And uh, when I was with my mom for those 28 days, she was also still having to work because she didn't have the 28 on, 28 off. She it was right. trying to take care of, a, I'm an I'm a only child, which explains a lot of the questions <laughs> you probably had, Missy. Uh, but I was a, I was the only child, and uh, but she was also working and she started working for a uh, like her first job was she was an intern or I think that I don't know if that was her title but basically like <laughs> the lowest rung at a at a at a radio station here in Denver called KS1075 the mix back in the day. They used to play stuff like oh, Michael yes. Bolton. Like my mom played okay. in a softball tournament <laughs> against Michael Bolton. I used to have a softball <laughs> signed by Michael Bolton. Like could you imagine a more ridiculous I'm just thinking of that artifact? hair. Do you guys remember that oh, hair yeah. he had? That huge yeah. forehead and then well, the hair yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that hair in a softball field. He was wearing That's wearing amazing. a cap and playing softball. And she just kept, she kept realizing, okay, I've got to, I've got to provide for my family, I've got to provide for JT. And uh, she ended up in 1992. It was announced that there was going to be a baseball team that was going to be started in Denver, Colorado. It was an expansion team, and I remember it was before there was even a name. Like we didn't have a name, the Colorado Rockies. They were going to be the Bears or the Grizzlies wow. or all kinds of different things. And we all voted on it here in town. And she got, she was reached out to by one of the executives there because she had done well at her previous job. Like, can you be a sales uh, hmm. accountant for us? And uh, long story short, she ends up getting the job and starts working for them in 1993. And just to pause here for a second, in the 90s, I know that gender is a big conversation for this podcast, obviously, and thinking about women and working, it's hard to imagine a more like bro-centered um, culture than Major right. League Baseball in the 90s. Right. And she was a you know young 30-year-old woman wow. who was trying to, to, to make it and trying to kind of grind through how do I provide for my family? How do I do a great job with excellence? She didn't know the Lord yeah. yet. That's part of her story. She, she now knows the Lord, obviously, as I've mentioned. She's a part of our church. But so for the next 20 plus years, she kind of just continued to make her way up into professional major league baseball. She ended up being the vice president of corporate sales for the Rockies. And my, in my experience of watching her was as the young 11 year old kid, you know, corporate boardroom because she couldn't afford babysitting at the time, watching her try to navigate wow. and lead in one of the most male dominated wow. environments that existed. Yeah. Sports. Wow baseball and watching, you know, a 35 year old at the time, uh, learn how to lead with excellence and, and to pursue excellence. I mean, my mom is one of my heroes and I also, but I also saw the real challenges, like not to just put a little bow on it, like the real challenges that it meant for her to, 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 to lead and to be respected and to make decisions and to even have failures. And what does it happen when she fails versus when one of her colleagues, a male colleague fails. And so I was 11 and just saw it. Like yeah. I just got to watch it. And uh, there were some real victories and some real losses for her in her career. Uh, but just to give you a little more of a story, she then, she retired from the Rockies. She became a Christ follower, baptized her wow. uh, about 10 years ago, 
And she now leads in the Storyline Institute for us. She then moved, before that, she went to Dallas. Oh, she was a part of the great. village with us. We baptized my stepdad that she eventually married. So, uh, man, the Lord's just done a, a redemptive work in our family's life. But uh, just to maybe put like an exclamation point on it, one of the reasons that I care so much about women and work is because of my story. And it's my mom and my wife who mm-hmm. are my heroes, who I've seen uh, walk through just really challenging situations as it relates to what they feel God has right. called them to do, yes. like work uh, for the, not, not just like survive, but to work and to bring beauty and to bring order out of chaos. And uh, I've been able to watch two of the closest people in my life, wow. my mom and my wife. So uh, speaking of your wife, voice. we um, had the opportunity to interview Macy. Um, her episode, it was number 17. If anybody wants to go back and listen to it. So she runs her own sales and marketing firm. And, um, you know, one of the questions we had asked her, well, did you feel any conflict or angst um, with this like pastor's wife expectation, right? Mm-hmm. Her, your husband's a pastor. A lot of times people fall into that. I need to go back and listen to that one because that, that answer changes week to week. <laughs> well, one of her answers though in that was that she really felt encouraged and compelled to move forward with it was because of your encouragement. Um, you saw some things in her. And so, um, a lot of pastors, JT would not give their wives that advice. Right. And so I know based Mm. off your, you know, what your history, seeing your mom and all that, but I mean, I would love for you to just share with our listeners, some of what you saw in Macy that, that made you want to say, yes, I, I want my wife to go for it. I want her to be who God's called her to be. I'd love to just hear your heart about that. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the most important things in ministry and outside of ministry and even outside of marriage is seeing people's gifts yeah. and saying, I see that. in you. Like, I see the image mm. of Jesus Christ in you and it's beautiful and it's amazing. And I want the spirit to cultivate that. And, and again, that's not just true for like preachers. And that shouldn't just be true for people who are going into ministry. That should be true for construction workers mm-hmm. and janitors and people in service industries and law enforcement. I mean, like we could go down a long list and say, I'm like, I see what you're doing. I see that the Lord has gifted you for this. And I want to see whatever, whatever that is cultivate and grow and flourish. And as pastor, as a pastor, I get that. I get that. And I get criticism. <laughs> Pastors get both of those things often. But in those early years, I, and Macy and I's stories are different. I won't share her story because I'm sure she did, but she grew up in a ministry home. I mean, Missy, speaking of, I don't know where you're sitting right now. Are you, are by chance yes. on campus at Southeastern? She grew up there. Wow. Her dad was a faculty member there. Oh yeah. She was neighbors. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect you to remember that, but like she, she had a, her trajectory would have been yes. marry a Southern Baptist pastor and be a traditional pastor's wife. And like, she knew like, we, we, we know the Aikens. She yes. knew John and Jonathan and Tim. I mean, like we, we, we are, uh, but again, my story is very different. So you would expect my story is going to be JT's probably going to do communications, marketing, sports, because that's mm-hmm. what my family's upbringing was. And you'd expect Macy would be and your, your trajectory, your family history is going to be that you're going to maybe go into ministry or be a missionary or whatever. And that would have been wonderful too. And she could do those things. But like in, in a weird sense, like the giftings that we had, despite our family upbringings, sent us yeah. into different career paths. And because of the giftings that the Holy Spirit had given us, the my friends from 20 years ago would say, wait a second, JT's a pastor. That's crazy. But it's because the Holy Spirit, through my conversion, gifted me for something. And the same way for her, I remember sitting at a, I think we were at a Nuggets game with some friends and uh, one of her one of her friend's moms was basically like, you should go into sales because you mm-hmm. have a gift for this. And that like blew Macy's mind because for her, her story had to follow her family's right. story, which was ministry, 
pastor's wife, mm-hmm. something, something, you know, missionary, campus ministry, something like that. And somebody called a gift out of her that she didn't even realize right. that she had. And I, I was like, yes, I agree mm-hmm. with, I was standing right there. I was like, yes, I agree with that. You, you can do that. That's, that's an amazing thing. And when it was sales, it, we got, that was before we got married. Her, her first application after we got married for a job was to work as a sales associate at a jeweler. Because it was right. like, maybe that's my gift. Like, not like to sell yeah, but jewelry, just, but it yeah. was like, I'll try to find a way yeah. to, like now she runs her own business and is like just this amazing, has this amazing uh, business that she runs, but it wasn't always that. It was this gift that needed to be cultivated and shaped and nurtured. And and so her first job when we moved to Dallas ended up being for the Dallas Morning News. She hmm. sold classified ads. Like it wasn't, it's not always been this like glorious, you know, perfect. It was get up, you know, she was driving a Chevy Cavalier at the time, drive to Garland, Texas and like grind And the Lord over the course of that time has built this business that she honors the Lord with, that she uh, does with excellence. Like I often wake up and I'm like, man, I feel like my job's hard. I feel like your job's harder. You're doing such a wonderful work. And she does it with, with such excellence that uh, for her, and I imagine this is kind of where the conversation might go. It's like, that's her ministry. She serves at Storyline. She, 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 she is a, when we were interviewing here, I'm going to get like to the real yeah, stuff. You guys want to get to the real stuff. Uh, so we were interviewing. I, I interviewed for a job at the village. I interviewed for a job here. And I said, look, a non-negotiable for me is my wife and not just my <laughs> wife staying with me, but like her giftings mm-hmm. and skill sets. If you have expectations, like an Thank unwritten yes. code that isn't like on your statement of faith, but is like a litmus test of like, well, she's got to be a stay at home wife and needs to raise seven kids and white picket fence. And all that. Like, I'm not, I can't do it. Like, that's not me. This is my wife. And my, my primary job is to cultivate her giftings. My primary responsibility before I'm a pastor at the village, before I'm a pastor at storyline, before I work at Southern, like my primary job is to recognize her, see her and give her opportunities to thrive and flourish. And both of the, both, both the village and story were like, absolutely. We want to see that happen. And that's just been a gift. Like that's just, and it, what a yeah. gift to us because yeah. that isn't always the case. Yes. And I know people listening to this, but that's not always the case. So let's be places and people when we get to positions of leadership that say, I see someone's gifting and I want, as a leader, my job is to allow those giftings to thrive and to flourish and to, and to be cultivated. And that's, that's one of the primary responsibilities I see for Macy. And that, again, this is going to sound a little strange. If I was married to somebody else, right. we would have a very different life. It wouldn't be that that sure. person should have the same trajectory and skill set. But I feel like that's what can happen in ministry sometimes wow. is we can think, okay, so this guy, this guy's in ministry. He's supposed to be a pastor. Therefore, here's yes. what his wife must be. And I think that can be one of the most enslaving uh, trajectories and narratives that we give to people rather than saying, well, what's you. your wife like? Jay, what are her skills? Jay what are her T. giftings? How, 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 is she, how is she gifted? Exactly. To serve okay. I am hearing you say things as a pastor that I don't know that I've ever heard another man say, much less another pastor say. And I, this is no hateration. Like, so my husband is a preacher. My husband loves God's word. So I'm not I work with men, Dr. Aiken. I work for Dr. Aiken. Like, so I'm, yeah. you don't hear shade. You, you guys are, you yes. guys are at the happy seminar. Yes. Everybody's so you're happy not hearing me. I'm not <laughs> shading any men, but what I do, what I am saying yeah. is that the idea that a pastor is saying, my wife has gifts and I have seen her as a whole person before she was connected to me. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't become this amorphous blob of meanness with her just around, but that there were two people that were 
came together and how do we walk that out and honor the Lord? So my question for you is, if you would say that is biblical, which I'm pretty sure you would say is biblical, how do you challenge other men to think that way is the first part of that question. And then I guess the second part was, how would you challenge a woman who is married, who has a clear calling on her life, but maybe a husband that does not think similarly to you? Oh man, there's a lot there. Let me see if I can just do it do it uh, quickly. I mean, I think the first thing is there's a narrative, and I'll even say this is a happy mm-hmm. complementarian. If we're, I'm not sure if you guys have defined that term previously. Yes. Like I'm, I'm a complementarian. I believe that there's really important yes. things that men and women hold in common. I think about Adam and Adam meeting Eve for the first time. This is bone mm-hmm. of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she should be called woman because she was taken out of man. Like there's a sameness there. He taxonomizes the animals and realizes yes. they're not like me. I need a helper. I don't need me again. I need a helper. I need somebody who's who's like me, and that's Eve. There's also important important distinctions, and I think that's not only true. It's certainly true in that biblical narrative for marriage, but it also can mm-hmm. be true in relationships. And I think one of the gifts that the Lord just gave me in, in my in my story uh, that I didn't ask for, I didn't realize was happening at the time, is I have never seen women mm-hmm. as a threat. It's just, and I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. virtuous of me. I'm not. I didn't like read a book that became. Like, it was just like I. I saw men saw my mom mm-hmm. as a threat because of how good and gifted she was, and she was depressed and didn't get the opportunities that her other colleagues would get. And I was like, that's not right. Don't we want goodness, beauty? Don't we want people to thrive? And so I. I just would encourage both men and women who are listening to this, and I would also say married and unmarried is. Sin mm. is a threat. People aren't threats. The last thing I would say there is just to maybe get to, to Missy's last question is, is not only are we, as you think about male-female relationships, I know that there are threatening things. I want to be clear about that. Like there's, that's what I mean by sin. Sin is a real threat, but sin isn't mm, gender. Yes. There is threat in male-male relationships and there is threat in female-female relationships and there is threat in male-female relationships. And so we always want to be aware of those threats and be aware of the things that could come into our lives that would destroy us and seek to wreak havoc and harm on our churches, relationships, and families. So I'm not trying to minimize those things. I'm saying to to, to simplify the only threat being male-female uh, is a miss or to, or to suggest that uh, there is, or maybe another way to say it is if we only see threat between male and female, we won't see what the Bible offers us, which is to yes, say they need is. each other. They're necessary for each other. And so like just to bring one more woman into the conversation is when I got to the village, I realized uh, Macy's not going into ministry. My mom's not here, but I need an a ally. Like I need help. Like there's things that I'm going to miss as a pastor. And that's when Jen Wilkin mm-hmm. became my sister and one of my best friends where Jen is one of the godliest, kindest, most humble people I've ever met in my life. And like she has become in a totally kind of neutral way, mm-hmm. my ally, like my mm-hmm. sister. If, if if the primary category in the New Testament is brothers and sisters, then we don't need a br- bunch of brothers. We mm. need brothers and sisters. And, and Jen has become a sister for me in the sense of like, she'll call me out on silliness and craziness and I'll call her out too. And then she'll tell me, nope, <laughs> you're still wrong. And I typically am still wrong uh, because that's how a, a sibling relationship works in the life of the church. So I, I don't know. I just would say to my, to my fellow, maybe there's a, pa- I don't know if pastors listen to this, or maybe this is going to be like a pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this. Uh, this is your moment, <laughs> fellas. This is your moment. Uh, we have an obligation to love all of the mm-hmm. family of God. 
and to see them thrive with the gifts that the Lord has given them. And one of your primary responsibilities is to help cultivate those things, call them out, provide opportunities, or when they have an opportunity, encourage them in it. Don't put a barrier around them. Mm -hmm. I want to just follow up with what you just said. You said that you've never felt threatened by women. Can you explain to women, to me and Missy and to our listeners, what exactly do men feel threatened by from women? Are what is there an underlying fear there? And and what is it? Because I've I don't I've never understood that. Like why can't I just be me in the church or in the workplace or yeah. whatever? I don't understand. I, I genuinely don't understand how that would in their mind hand you know tamp down their whatever the Lord is doing in them, you know? I do know. I can't give a like a one sentence answer. Uh, if I was trying to say it gently, I would say it's okay. just insecurity. It's just insecurity, especially with you being both of you being in. I think about yeah. Courtney Powell and others. Like you guys are just great leaders. Like you're highly competent in the things God's called you to do, and that can feel threatening in an ungendered sense. Like it can just be like a man. Maybe I don't have the giftings, and I can clearly see that. And so. Threat isn't just gendered, right? Mm. It can be just, man, that's threatening to me and I'm not going to thrive. And, and I, I would almost, this is going to sound too oversimplified and could get me, I don't think canceled, but like people are going to disagree with what I'm about to say. Um, the best leaders, male or female, are the ones who want to surround themselves yeah. with great leaders as well. Uh, like there's like Winston yeah. Churchill, uh, you know, leading through World War II wasn't like, you know what? Let's get the worst leaders around me so that we can figure out how to how to solve this problem. Or I think about Margaret Thatcher. Like she wasn't like, you know what? I don't need your advice. I can do this by myself. But often that's what can happen in ministry, especially I think about like lead pastors. Like let's I want to surround myself with yes men because I'm really the, the mm. best leader here, the the person that God's chosen for this moment, this time. And I would just say this isn't just a gender conversation, but a leadership conversation. I think would suggest to us the best leaders are never threatened by mm-hmm. other great leaders. They want to put them in the right roles, in the right spots, and in the right seats so that we can all wow. lead well together. And let me just, this is going to feel like I'm preaching for a second, like but give me Take 30 it. seconds of preaching. Because the best leader yeah. is Jesus Christ. Like none of us are meant to get glory. It's not meant to be a lead pastor. It's not meant to be a a missionary. It's not meant to be Hudson Taylor. It's not meant to be JT English. It's not meant to be Macy English. It's not meant to be Courtney or Missy. It's meant to be all of us have been gifted by the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's given us his spirit. And my responsibility is to cultivate mine and to help other people cultivate theirs. Why? Not so that one leader gets honor and glory. Uh, and, and, and if they don't, they're threatened by others, but so that all of us could say, Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's given me this gift and he's given it to me so that I might serve others mm-hmm. and give him honor. Thank you. Thank well, you. It's good. Okay. So when we look at the kind of the, the state of the church right now, um, kind of the tone yeah. of. Things oh. just feel great, don't they? <laughs> Easy like a Sunday morning. I just look at the church and I'm like, man, this is what it's supposed to be. It's a pretty discouraging time for women. I mean, we could name some examples. I mean, maybe we can kind of go through that if if we felt like we need to. Um, You might want to mention some things. Um, But I feel like you know a lot of the conversation for women has been, um, here's what you cannot do. Right. Here's what you cannot do. Here is where you are really not invited. You're not welcome in this space. Um, you're not encouraged to step up. It's just overall a bit discouraging. And some of the things are, 
I don't know. It's just how, how would you encourage the women who feel that discouragement, who feel, who feel, I mean, JT, I'll just say it a little bit second class Christians, um, a bit. And it's yeah. sad. It's really sad. <laughs> Not a bit, like a lot. You're being very gentle and nice and, and I understand why you're doing that. But like, do I, like asking the yeah. question, do mm. I belong to you? A lot of times women, I personally in spaces, um, whether academic spaces I've been in or church environments I've been in, um, meetings, you know, you feel, I don't, I don't think I belong here. I don't think they want me here. In fact, I remember even on Facebook, this is a, just a silly example, but several years ago, a friend of mine, a guy, a pastor posted a question on Facebook and he was talking, he was asking, he was looking for opinions on topical preaching versus expositional preaching, right? Verse by verse preaching, um, for our listeners who don't know that word, but, and I gave my opinion on his Facebook post. Okay. And then later I went back to check the post and I looked at the comments and they were all from men. And I thought, oh my gosh, he didn't, he wasn't looking for my opinion. Right. I just realized in that moment, I don't think I was invited to this conversation, even though here I am on Facebook. Right. And I just thought, okay, well, you know, and he like replied to my comment, but he didn't like my opinion. (laughs) So again, I mean, just like the most subtle ways, a lot of times women can feel, um, just uninvited, not, not worthy or valued. Yep. And so how would you encourage women in this? And how would you like to see, you know, your fellow, pa- fellow pastors, um, change this narrative? Again, this kind of goes back to my story is that's certainly discouraging in the life of the church, but it's also discouraging in like yeah. culture. Mm-hmm. Like when I think about back to my mom's story is like, she was uninvited to major league baseball yeah. in the nineties. Like, the last person that they wanted selling their product was a, you know, 32 year old young blonde woman who was beautiful and had gifts and skill sets. And again, we go back to that threat language. She was a threat to the bros and to the dudes that were the power brokers in major league baseball. And again, if we're going to kind of translate that to the life of the church, I would say, uh, my mom who felt uninvited into major league baseball, she stayed. And so to the sisters that are kind of listening to this, I just would encourage you, would you please stay? I know, I know, and I know what I'm asking. And I know that there's pain related to that. And there's, there's patience related to that. And there's going to be long suffering. Um, But Christ's church is beautiful and it's going to be meant to be sanctified uh, by the Holy spirit. And uh, I'm praying that you staying is a part, not not just you, but I say you, y'all who are listening, uh, will be a participant in that sanctification and that that process of Christ's church becoming increasingly holy. And I would say, uh, I want to say, I want to say something to maybe the the woman who's saying, "Am, am I invited?" And I want to say something to the pastor uh, or to a leader or to just men who might listen to those husbands. Um, please not only stay, but realize you are necessary. Uh, women who are gifted, which includes all women who follow Jesus and have been gifted by the Holy Spirit, aren't just nice things in the church. Mm-hmm. They're necessary for the church and they're necessary for her flourishing. And the only thing that, uh, again, as a complementarian, I believe that the role of elder specifically is reserved. And I'm going to say this clearly. It's not reserved for men. It's reserved for mm-hmm. qualified men, which means that both men and women submit to the office of elder. And that's a very different thing than thinking men hold power and authority in the church and women submit to power and authority in the church. At our church, there's five elders and they're, they're all qualified men. And that means that all the men and all the women in life of our church submit and care for and love and serve and give to the church. 
but that doesn't mean that there is a gendered power dynamic or, or, or only a gendered power dynamic in the life of the church. Um, and I would say specifically to men, one of the one of the most beautiful things that you can do is call out the giftedness of your of your brothers and sisters. Tell them you see the image of Jesus Christ in them. You see beauty. You see holiness. You see uh, the gift of prayer, the gift of teaching, the gift of prophecy, the gift of, uh, of of management, whatever it might be, and say, like, I see it in you. And not only do I see it in you, and you should go use it over there, how can we use it in the life of the church? Like, I'm going to get real pragmatic for a second as a pastor, uh, because I love theology, but I also love leading well. There are men and women in my church and in the churches of the people who are listening who are more mm-hmm. gifted than the pastoral staff, because they're leading Fortune 500 companies, and they show up at church, and they're like, I don't know what to do here. Like, what an enormous <laughs> yeah. miss we have when we're not saying, hey, I, you can lead here. Help me here. Can you help me lead this meeting? Can you, can you help me think about this? Or can you help correct how we're leading this? Like pastors, ministry leaders, listen to this. You have unbelievably competent and gifted both men and women in the life of your church. It, God did not just gift elder boards. He gifted <laughs> the whole right. body of Christ. And, and churches, and churches uh, who, who don't realize that, I think, are missing out on power, like spiritual power. And so, so like, here's an, just give you like one quick example. My wife is mm-hmm. an amazing mom. So that's my qualification. But where she should not be serving right. is in Storyline Kids. <laughs> right. She shouldn't be serving there. Why? Because she's a CEO, exec, not that CEOs and executives couldn't serve there, but because she is very gifted in helping right. us think about a communication strategy and website. And so like, it's like, well, Macy, what's your gift? Oh. Serve over here. And can you go serve in kids? Great. Can you go serve in students? Fine. But like, how do we find people's gifts, both male and female, and say, we want to employ those gifts for the sake of making Jesus's name mm-hmm. great in our local JT, community? JT, do you think this isn't happening because, because you're right. I mean, we've had women on this show who are amazingly gifted and talented, and then they go to church and those skills somehow are not transferred or valued or seen to still be invited in to use them. So how are pastors and leaders, do we not know, do they not know their people enough? Like how, how, how's this disconnect happening? So I, I, that's a great question. I will say, I think sometimes this conversation isn't just gender, but it's broadly true. Like we, like we have an executive who ran hospitality for Walt Disney world at our (laughs) church. And I just found that out. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like we're we're not very great at next steps in hospitality. And, Hey, can you help us? You know, like he's, he's been serving coffee at our church for two years. And I was like, what did you, what do you, you know, what did you used to do? And he's like, well, I was a senior vice president for hospitality for Walt Disney World for 20 years. He's like, so what do you think about our next steps process? And he was like, I, you know, love serving coffee. You know, so like, I do think, I do think this yes. is a broader conversation than just, than just women not feeling like they can use their gifts. I would just say to pastors, like, Gosh, what what are we doing? Not allowing yeah. people, all people, to serve and thrive in their gifts specifically. Though I do understand that you're asking specifically this. This can relate specifically to women because we can think. Like I remember being at a previous church, and we were like, we had this like amazing, amazing female Bible teacher. Mm-hmm. This isn't Jen, by the way, uh, but like she's doing her PhD at Aberdeen, and she's like doing some of the best work in New Testament studies, and she's like amazing. And we're like, well, who can do announcements today? And it was like, well, you know what we should do? We should have the intern who doesn't know how to speak publicly uh, do the announcements because he's a man and we're really about development here. And we're going to develop the next. And it was, she was like, well, I'd love the opportunity to serve my church. And it was like, well, you know, we can't 
can't have ah, because it's not even exactly. preaching. Like it's announcements. Like it's just the crazy, the craziness that happens <laughs> in these staff conversations. And so I would just encourage, like, let's have this is gonna maybe get me in trouble too. I mean, sometimes this conversation, I think, for pastors. So, like, let me let me take the male side of this conversation for a second. This conversation can feel so hmm. dangerous because you might be wrong, you might get you might do something wrong, you might get an email from a member who is angry about something like let's just create some levity here. Yeah. We're brothers and sisters. And like, let's have, let's mm-hmm. enjoy each other. Let's like, this is, there's no threat here. And like, make a mistake. One of the things that we learned at TBC when we were working on some of the complementarianism and w- women in ministry stuff is we realized that most people's mindset, especially in conservative evangelicalism, of which I would say I'm a part of that family happily. When I, some, uh, this is not a critique coming from outside the house. It's a critique from inside the house. Somebody who's sitting around the, the, the fireplace as a conservative evangelical is we have an instinct in us that we don't even know that we have and it's to error on the side of caution and that includes a number of different conversations we are going to conserve we're conservative and so we'd rather well if we're going to make a mistake let's make a mistake here and i just want to offer Mm -hmm. let's not make mistakes let's not error anywhere like let's not err on the side of non-caution and let's also not err on the side of caution let's follow the bible let's like if phoebe can stand up and read the letter of romans as a deacon of Sincrea to the church in Rome, you're telling me that a PhD student at Aberdeen can't give announcements here. Like, what are we even doing? Like, what are we, what are we talking about? And so uh, again, I, and I think that's just to, to even go back, I think that's a non-gendered thing. Yeah. Like I've got an executive from Walt Disney world that I'm like, what you did what? And then after that, for five years, he ran all oh great wolf goodness. lodge hotels. And I'm like, gosh, <laughs> he's like mop. This is not a joke. When I say mopping the floor, that's not like two weeks ago we had snow and he's wow. like mopping the floor, like happily, like loves, he's in the Institute with us. And I'm like, okay, we got to figure how out. Utilize this man. Like, I don't yeah. know anything about hospitality. I don't know how to, how do I utilize him? And the same thing would be true for Macy. The same thing's true for yeah. your kid's ministry. Like, ha- I think the main thing I want people to hear is both male and female, brother and sister, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, Scythian, barbarian, all have come now to Christ, and now we're one family. So there is no male or female or Jew or Greek or or or, or, or rich or poor, but we are gifted differently to serve the body of Christ. And one of my primary jobs as a pastor is to say, I see that gift, I see that gift, I see that gift. Can you use it here? Wow. Can you give here? Uh, can you can you implement this here? Can you can you feel at home here? Can you help us here? And so. I don't know. That's a long way of saying use people's gifts. Like this is a basic 101 New Testament principle of see people's gifts and implement them. And I'll say specifically just to to maybe women who are, if you, if you are gifted in the life of your church, please keep serving. The church needs you. You're not just a nice add on. You're absolutely necessary. Stay humble, stay low, keep offering your gift that the Holy Spirit has given mm-hmm. you to the life of your local community in normative ways. And I believe that the Lord Jesus will be That is that. so good. Okay. Hearing you talk about women having gifts and being able to implement them in the church makes me think about that on a broader scale. Like I keep thinking to myself, okay, well, if we can say we're, we're missing out because we haven't found out what this woman's gifting is and how she could be served to church, which let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with mopping, sweeping, serving the kids, being the secretary. Right. There's nothing wrong with those things. Amazing. But yeah. if you feel like those are the only things just because you're female, then it can become problematic. But then we get to the conversation of women and work and then it's, 
so I wonder if I, if as a pastor, you feel like we should be calling out women's giftedness and talents and skills in church. It almost feels like, but we hear a lot of prominent voices, some even pastors who feel like, but we should not be calling out the idea of women who are gifted for maybe the workplace or maybe mm. um, for things that they can do in addition to being a wife or a mom or a, you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, in my last, again, my last two interview processes, it was like, I had to ask the question, can my wow. wife be wow. my wife? And not like, be my wife. I mean, like, can she exactly. be who God's created her to be? Because if she can't be, then I'm not taking this job. And I'm, I'm, I'm uninterested in this. If you have some kind of, so the previous uh, pastor at Storyline, his wife was the children's minister. And she did an amazing job. Like she was actually gifted for that. Like that was right. what she was called to do, gifted to do, and was really good at, which was great. And I said, if you're looking for two staff members in one, you're not getting it. Like that's not a, like, it's just, that's not what Macy, Macy's never going to be on staff. Macy is going to be an amazing member mm -hmm. in the life of our church. And so uh, I, I resonate with this question specifically because uh, my wife is not gifted how it would be expected in conservative evangelicalism of what a pastor's wife uh, should, should be able to do. And so I, I would encourage, um, I don't know, again, I feel like I'm talking to like two audiences. <laughs> no, here, so go you for it. Help tease some of this out of like, in, in some sense, I want to talk to like my, my wife yes, who might listen to this or like that. the mm -hmm. type of my wife who might listen to this. Uh, another sense I want to speak to maybe, maybe Definitely. their husband's men. We love that. And so yes. I don't know if this is helpful or not, but I, okay. Um, <sighs> so much I want to say here. Um, and I get emotional mm. about it because this yeah. is my mom too. Like I just watched my mom uh, try to find ways to use her gifts and in some sense yeah. silence herself because she might be too much. She might not, you know, uh, almost like kind of form herself into this image that I don't know that she was like, she didn't get to mm -hmm. express fully who she was. And, and, and here's the thing. She wasn't a part of an evangelical church at the right. time and still felt that. So how much more <laughs> so would she have felt it if she was a part of a church? And I just think, like, as a pastor, our jobs is our job is not just to make our churches great. Our job is to make the name of Jesus mm -hmm. Christ great. And that includes in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, and um, in the world. And we spend so here again, I, I'm going to say things that sound hyperbolic and I don't mean for them to. I am all for local missions and I'm all for international missions. We want to make Jesus' name like let's give everything that we can to make sure that people who do not have an opportunity to hear the gospel mm -hmm. know the gospel. Do you know a lot of people who did not know the gospel in the 1990s? Major wow. League Baseball. Right. And if my and if my mom would have been a part of an evangelical church, they probably would have said, but should you really be there? Should you be? But what if it would have been like what if her pastor would have said you're gifted for this. You're skilled for this. How can your church come alongside you in this? We want to propel yeah. you into this. We want you to work with excellence. We want we want you to work for mm -hmm. Jesus' glory for the sake of making his name. Like she is in meetings with the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Like she's in meeting. And like how much how much more fulfilling would her job have been and our family wow. life have been if if the pastor is saying go for it. Yeah. We've got you. We're behind you. Make Jesus's name great in that sphere and environment. Rather than just thinking about missions of like, are you on our payroll for sending people yeah. to go be missionaries? Why wouldn't we send? And, and again, uh, there are some women who are listening to this. When we say women in work, that might be stay at home yes. mom and your work is taking care of. Yes. I know you guys have said this before. It's like, we're not, this is not like, uh, either or it could be both. And and like, it's complex and it's seasonal. And like Macy's life over the last couple of years is kind of take her 
vocational life is like it's just changed. Like we can be okay with that. You don't have to fit a mold. But wherever Jesus is calling you to serve, make his name great, whether that's major league baseball or little league baseball where you're where you're taking care so of your kiddos. Kid. And so I just would offer to these to, to these women, like, and I I don't want to overstate this, find a church that's gonna do that, or at least is trying to learn how to do that. Find a church that's gonna help you do that. And I would just say to pastors, if you really care about missions, then you care about women Thank and work. Thank you. It's excellent. If you, if you care about the gospel going forward, then propel women who have the giftings to work and are doing it with excellence and want to make Jesus's name great. Those are the last people on the planet that are threats to the gospel. They are propelling the gospel forward in spaces where it yeah. is not. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know how to follow that up. Man, I feel like I need to like change my next sermon series. I'm getting a little passionate no, about this. Hang I, on, I'm I wishing we had asked you to be a contributor now. on this book. <laughs> No, 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 no. Here's the thing. You asked Jen if I'm a good writer. I'm not a good writer. I can say things. I don't (laughs) like writing things. Is there anything, um, I know you just spoke to those women and these pastors. Is there any biblical passage that comes to mind for these pastors that are very, very ingrained in these very traditional, you know, not just the pastor's wife who needs to stay home. It's it's just women in general in the church. Are there, how would you encourage them to sort of biblically broaden their thoughts on that. I, I, I know. Oh man. I know. There's a lot. I've got like the nice <laughs> answer. I've got like the snark answer and I'm trying to find the happy medium. I mean, bi- bi- biblically, I, this, this sounds snarkier than I mean it. And I don't mean it snarky. Like, I don't mean, I don't, I'm not trying to like, I don't have, I don't want to fight anybody about this. I want to encourage people in this. I just mean like the Bible, like the whole Bible, like the whole story of the Bible, beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, and the cultural mandate is a picture of men and women coming alongside each other as necessary allies in order to bring beauty out of brokenness, in order out of chaos. And every single verse should be read with yeah. those lenses on. They're, they're like, it's not that like I can point you to Ephesians 5, verse 2, or, you know, Second Chronicles, you know, 1031 that says women should work. I just mean yes. humans, yes. humans. Like I love the name of the podcast, women in work, humans right. work. All of us do. And all of us have been given specific domains to take care of and to bring beauty out of brokenness and order out of chaos. We've been given giftings on how to do that. We've also been given limitations where we would say, I need somebody else to help me with this, or I'm not as good at that. Can you help me here? The same way I would say to the the mark uh to the Walt Disney executive mark at my church I would say like I'm not good at this can you help me with this like that could be male to male it could be female to female it could be male to female and saying like how do we bring beauty to the Lord Jesus Christ in relationships in our homes in our neighborhoods in our kids in our churches into the ends of the earth and so um I, pastors you, if, if you genuinely want, and I believe that you do, brothers, I really believe that you do. I believe that you want Jesus's name to be made great. I believe that you're doing the best that you can to do that. There are not, uh, I, I want to say this gently, in, in these stories, sometimes there are villains. There are brothers who have intentionally brought harm, and there are brothers who have intentionally brought discord in the life of their church or to women. And I think about I'm not going to name names, but I, there's there's stories right now in evangelicalism where you could just go down bullet point. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I believe the person that's listening to this, that's probably not you. You probably aren't the villain trying to bring the woman down. You're probably not the villain trying to make make your name great. You're, you're following a script. 
and that script is is uh, I'm gonna th- th- this is how my wife is supposed to act or this is how women in my mm-hmm. church are supposed to act and here's the thing brothers I know the script I was I was handed a laminated copy <laughs> of the script too <laughs> uh, it wasn't actually laminated um, it's you. a broken script and it's mm-hmm. not a biblical script and the best thing that you can do. For, for the women around you, for the men around you, for the young women, for the older women, for the young men, for the older men to say, I see your gifts. You're doing great. Keep going. I want you to thrive in those gifts. So I've got a five-year-old little girl. Her name is Bailey. And she is a <laughs> mini-me of Macy. And she's amazing. Like, she's amazing. I'm going to start crying just even talking. Like I just said her name. I'm like, oh, my gosh, my little girl. I want Storyline Church. Like, one of my jobs at Storyline Church is to say this is going to be a place where she could thrive as a member. She could thrive as an employee and she could thrive as a leader if God were to ever call her to that. Like, am I creating a healthy culture where Bailey, when she's 25, could thrive as a professional, whether she's entering the workforce and working for the Rockies, the organization my mom used to work for, or working at our church and she's going to be the, you know, director of whatever it might be. Like, brothers, are you creating a church where your daughters want to be in 20 years? Are you, create, are you creating a place where they would thrive and enjoy Jesus and enjoy relationships and could be marriage, could be single, whatever it might be. Like think 20 years from now, would I want Excellent. my daughter to be here? Okay. <clears throat> we don't have much time left, but I do want to ask you about this. One of the chapters in our book, chapter three is called, Am I Called? And, you know, women hear a lot about what our quote highest calling should be or mm-hmm. our primary calling should be. And it usually revolves about around um, having children. So, I mean, again, there's so much you could say about all this, but <laughs> here's just one question we haven't asked anyone. Why don't we hear about a highest calling or a primary calling for men? Only women have a highest calling, JT. <laughs> right. Well, because men men are already fulfilling it out and being men. So? It's a joke. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe they believe that. I don't know. Right, right. No, I, I, I mean, yeah. There, there's a lot of that. I think some of that is just kind of like marketing jargon. Some of that's just like we have we live in a hyper and even I've, what I've done a little bit today. There's hyperbole in almost everything that we say, and sometimes I remember one of my profs at DTS, Missy. Uh, I won't say his name, but I, I'm confident that your husband knows and you probably know him too but like i'm confident your husband had him in class is he said sometimes you have to uh hemorrhage in order for people to bleed and i feel like we're living in that moment right now where it's like everybody's overstating the case just to try to get a little bit a little bit of momentum and so i think when we talk about highest calling or or uh the other way you say it primary calling it's all it's fine like i understand what we're trying to say but we have to understand when we use language like that there's a backside to it and it's important for every Christian listening to this realize that your highest calling is not to be a husband or a wife, is not to be a pastor or a lay leader, is not to be a CEO for Walt Disney or a vice president for the Colorado Rockies. Your highest calling is to be a child of the Lord, it, to be to be a daughter or a son of his, to make much of the Lord Jesus Christ in any context that you have. Like if we're saying highest, like so I've got this, this we're making this like a podcast about JT's family. My grandparents are 94 years old, both of them. They both live in Lincoln, Nebraska. My grandfather suffers from a pretty severe form of dementia, where when we're hopping on a call, he doesn't remember us. He doesn't remember our kids, and he needs a lot of help to remember. 
highest primary calling uh, for, for, for my grandfather is every morning looking at my grandmother, Nama, and saying, uh, you are beautiful. You're my wife. I love you. Like, uh, what is the high, highest primary calling for a 94-year-old making much of Jesus Christ? What is the highest primary calling for a four-year-old making much of Jesus Christ? There is, like, uh, serving as a lead pastor at Storyline Church isn't my highest calling. It's a job, and I'm thankful for the job that I have. My highest calling is to be a son of God. My highest calling is to make much of him in any other environment that he gives me. That includes marriage, that includes being a dad, and that also includes being a pastor. And so let's not make our vocations our highest calling. Let's make our adoption into the family of God Excellent. our highest calling. Oh my goodness. I like I, I, I'm, I can't believe we've already reached this far into this thing that we have to close. But as we close, this is what we ask all of our guests on this show, JT. What is one piece of advice or final word you would leave with women who want to honor God through their vocational calling? Oh man, <laughs> this feels like a, it's so important. Mm. It's such an important question to me that I, I know that I'll, I'll finish the sentence and not have mm. said it sufficiently. Um, I would say many of you already mm. are like, if you're striving, if you're, if you are, um, Rather than say, like, here's what you need to go do, I want to encourage the ones who already are and say, like, just keep going. We live in a broken world with broken systems and broken people. If you are rising and trying to make much of the Lord Jesus Christ through parenting or through work or through your studies, just mm. keep going. Uh, if you are uh, you, you're going to bed tired and you're like, man, I'm not sure if my kid is going to wake up tonight or I'm not sure if my boss is going to call tonight or I'm not sure what email I'm going to have in the morning, but I'm trying to make much of the Lord Jesus Christ more than like a like an exhortation. I want to give an encouragement. Just keep taking the next step. Just keep going. Keep honoring Jesus in the middle of all of that brokenness. And I believe he'll get honor and glory because of that. Well, goodness. Thank you Thank so you. much. That's very <laughs> encouraging. And I know our, our yes. listeners are just going to be they're going to want to, we're going to have to have you back, JT. <laughs> yes. I don't know about that. I feel like I gave like four different like mini yeah, sermons here. So I'm sorry it. if I talk too much. I, I want to say this. I know you guys are closing up. I just want to, I want to personally, I want to personally encourage you mm-hmm. guys uh, because you have been an encouragement to my mm-hmm. wife. Uh, your ministry has been an encouragement to my family. I believe in what you guys are doing. Courtney, I think the last time we talked, we were standing outside of a yeah. church uh, right, at yes. a convention. You remember that? Uh, I think it was the last time in person. And like, I want to say the same thing I said there. Like, I just believe you. in the work that you guys are doing. Missy, you and I have never had the chance to be each other in person. This ministry Thank is important you. to me. I believe that it's serving women. I believe that it's bringing beauty out of brokenness. And so you guys are doing such a great job encouraging the people who are listening to this. I want to spend a minute encouraging you. What you guys are doing is important. Thank you. It. it means so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so say that. So we really, really appreciate good. it. Yes. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Pre-order your copy of our book, Women in Work, Bearing God's Image and Joining in His Mission Through Our Work at the link in the show notes. And thank you for joining our mission here at Women in Work by making a one-time tax-deductible donation or by becoming a monthly partner at womenwork.net slash donate. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you do that as well so you don't miss a single episode. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time.